Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. Uh, this um, lesson we're going to be talking about is on the family life of a Christian, and we're going to kind of narrow our focus here on our homes and turning our homes into a place of security, and uh, I, I suppose we could use the term lasting memories for our children, and I would imagine uh, myself, as well as those that are listening, would probably think back of different childhood memories that um, are powerful and are lasting because they were meaningful. And we're going to talk about how we can cultivate that uh, in our homes. One of the big takeaways that I think is important is that is to realize that if, if we want the best for our children, it's going to require a little bit of a price for us to pay. But hopefully the result will be um, healthy, happy, and most importantly, holy children, which I think is um, any parent's goal in raising their children up um, for the glory of God. So a couple points would be three points. And the first one is this is, that our goal should be fostering a fun, friendly family. And um, it's an interesting thing when you're talking about, when you're studying through the Bible, to think about the concept of fun. Um, oftentimes when we think about spiritual things, unfortunately, as well as um, church work ministry, we don't always connect the word fun to those things. But I found it fascinating in the book of Zechariah, uh, specifically in chapter 8 and verse 5, the prophet Zechariah is talking about the, the, the city of Zion. And we understand it to be a, a prophetic text as well as a literal text um, that he's talking about. But one of the pictures he paints about the beautiful city of, Z- of city of Zion is he talks about children at play. Um, and it's interesting that the scriptures would make a point to describe for us boys and girls, as the text says, at play. Um, J- Jesus alludes to this also in one of his parables in Matthew 11, verse 16 and 17, where he describes children in the streets that are um, play acting a wedding. They're you know having a good time using their imagination, and they are, you know, playing out a, a wedding, um, you know, as as a group of kids. So I find it fascinating that the Bible specifically takes the time that the Word of God um, opens our eyes and reveals to us that um, young young people, children, boys and girls, um, are having fun using their God given imagination and creativity to um, enjoy themselves. And I would imagine from the parents' perspective. We're constantly on guard, you know, um, against harmful influences that are coming our kids' way, as well as we see our parenting role as being responsible for motivating them to um, develop good habits, uh, you know, to develop, you know, spiritual disciplines, and, and that's wonderful, but sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that we're also responsible for um, being careful not to ignore the benefits that come from just enjoying healthy fun especially as a family, and how that plays a real vital part in how our children will grow and mature. So yes, we, we, we're on the lookout for dangerous things that are or influences that might be coming their way. We're also aware that we have a great responsibility to motivate and, and help our children develop good discipline. But also, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that having fun is part of being a family and part of being parents and a lot of good, healthy, wonderful benefits that help our kids grow and mature come out of the simplicity of fun and play. Um, With that, I suppose we should also say that um, the book of Ecclesiastes as a whole gives us insight into this, but there's a specific verse I want to hone in at Ecclesiastes 11.9. and speaks about that um, God is uh, telling young people, youthful people, to enjoy their youth. To enjoy their youth, but always enjoy their youth with the perspective that God is going to bring all things into judgment. That whatever, so the point of that is that happiness is never the main goal for our children. Holiness is always the goal. Happiness can absolutely be a benefit and an outpouring of holiness, 
But don't let happiness and trying to make my children happy be the goal. Ultimately, the goal is that they would be holy before God. Um, you know, so the way that we do that is to encourage and warn them that whatever you choose to pursue, whether it's fun or all these things, they can be wonderful to enjoy, but just be aware, keep in the back of your mind, that what you choose to use your life, your strength, your influence, your time, your resources for, God will bring all those things into judgment. So children must have fun. But the goal is it's fun that doesn't hurt other people or isn't at the expense of others, or certainly at the ultimate expense of themselves. Another thing that comes from developing a fun uh, family environment is eventually your children are going to go out on their own. They're going to become their own people. They're going to grow and they're going to mature. And one of the um, dangers that can potentially come their way is if they don't learn to have clean, healthy fun at home, then the, what the world's fun, the fun that the, the world offers them, um, will, will become something that's, that's more of an interest. So I suppose it's um, if we can teach our children what good, wholesome fun looks like as a family, and we can develop a culture and an attitude like that as a family, then what the world has to offer will be much less alluring to them because they'll realize that that kind of fun comes with a great cost. So again, there's a lot of wonderful benefits from taking the time to cultivate fun and um, a family atmosphere of, of play. You know, allowing children to enjoy fun times with earthly parents ultimately will shape their idea that they can also enjoy time with their Heavenly Father. Those two things are, are connected. You know, I, I'm convinced that God gives us our children to influence, and the way that we respond to our kids shapes their thinking of the, and their understanding of God and their Heavenly Father as well. So keep that in mind. A couple pitfalls to avoid when it comes to developing an atmosphere of fun is that fun has become commercialized and it has become competitive. Uh, if you have older children or maybe even younger children, think about extracurricular activities like sports, music, drama, all the things that come along with that. They can get to the point, and I've seen it happen, where it, it becomes no longer a source of enjoyment for children. In fact, it becomes a, uh, another weight that they have to carry. It, it becomes another burden for them. It can often become an idol in the life of a family. You know, Jesus warns us that what do you profit if you've gained the whole world and you've lost your own soul? So, so keep the fun in perspective of don't let it get overly commercialized. Don't always be looking for bigger, better, best. And don't become overly competitive that you, you suck the fun out of um, the activity that you're trying to um, enjoy and, and find some happiness in. The other, thing that I, the other warning that I would throw here when it comes to developing a fun environment in the family is beware of the draw of the digital age. Um, you know, indiscriminate consumption of things like digital media, TV, video games, personal devices like iPads, smartphones, etc. All these things and are wonderful gifts and they're, and they're very useful tools for us, but we all know that they can lead to some pretty intense harm, especially to young people and the influences and the gateway that, that it's providing to them, um, as well as, you know, sometimes it can even uh, hinder their physical development. So, just, just keep in mind that these activities rob children of physical activity and healthy interpersonal activity. So we need to set really careful and thoughtful rules about how we're going to utilize these, again, wonderful tools, very useful devices. They can have um, great possibilities for, for work, for uh, ministry, for even communicating the gospel message to people. But just be aware that becoming an, uh, an indiscriminate consumer of all, di all things digital is certainly uh, not something that's going to be healthy in the long run. So that first point, developing fun, family-friendly environment has, has a lot of benefits, um, and I hope you'll take the time to kind of study through what some of those benefits will be.
The second thing would be what I'm calling cultivating traditions and celebrations. And, and I would imagine that these are the, the, the times in life where a child or myself can even look back and say, yeah, that's a spe- specific event that I remember, whether it's a vacation, whether it was a birthday party, whether it was a family get-together, whatever it was, and it was just something special about it that reminded me um, of a really good time as a child. Those are the, the real specific moments that we hang on to. And what I found fascinating in the Old Testament is God makes provision all throughout the scriptures, um, and he dedicates a lot of time to festivals and celebrations. All through Genesis, we see celebrations of weddings, of visitors from out of town that are coming in, harvest celebrations we find in Exodus. Uh, We even find maybe Job celebrating his children's birthdays in Job 1 and verse 4, where they took a specific day out of the year and they celebrated each one of his children. I just found all those things fascinating that God makes a point to... Um, allow for human beings to celebrate uh, significant occasions. Another thing that was interesting was that God also specifically instructed the children of Israel to celebrate sacred feasts with rejoicing. We find that all throughout Deuteronomy, if you read through the Chronicles, you'll see uh, all these celebrations and how God um, instructed the children of Israel to celebrate these things. We also find the Feast of Purim, which is located in the book of Esther, and that feast was um, in- included a lot of different things that we might recognize in some of our own holidays, and that was gladness, feasting, and the exchange of gifts, we find in Esther 9 and verse 19. And what comes along with rejoicing and celebration and um, you know all these good times often is accompanied by, by singing. I often think that's why Christmas is such a powerful holiday for um, all people. And we have really fond memories of it as children because it's just absolutely steeped in music and singing. And singing has such a powerful um, way to connect memories to the mind. In fact, Charles Wesley said, singing is the language of holy joy, just as praying is the language of holy desire. Singing is just an outpouring of it. If you're, if you're feeling joyful, if you're rejoicing, singing just kind of comes out of you. You know, you, you turn on the radio in the car and you just start singing and, and enjoying yourself. That's just part of um, it's like the natural outpouring of, of joy and happiness. Another thing that's really interesting, which is helpful for me, is that the Jews viewed the Sabbath day, or the Lord's day, as a festival. You know, too often, and I, I find myself in the same boat, I, I'm looking at the, the, the worship service and the gathering together of believers as sometimes a chore, as maybe a thing to check off on a box, but I, I, I often fall in seeing it as something to be celebrated. Uh, I use that word festival or that that word, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it should be a gathering together where, you know, there's great joy and, and looking forward to um, the Sabbath day. It was also a time of uh, a very family-oriented time as well, the Sabbath day was. So I think we can take away from that, that develop a family atmosphere on the Lord's day that your children look forward to and not dread. In fact, I would say for myself, develop a family atmosphere on the Lord's day that I look forward to that I don't dread. And if you find yourself in ministry, you know, sometimes you can be overwhelmed by all the tasks that you have, that you're responsible for, but don't look through the tasks and, and look, look through it all and see that this is a celebration and this is a, a joyous occasion where we are gathering together to worship the King of Kings and help your children see that as well. Another opportunity of celebration and developing lasting memories, I think, are our vacations. Um, they're really another opportunity to, to develop family tradition and one of the reasons I think a vacation is so important is that it allows you to set aside time where your family knows they are your only priority. 
You're not there to achieve any goal. You're not there to accomplish anything in specific. You're just setting aside some time. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant, even though it could be. But whatever the circumstance is, is you're, you're making a point and a priority to say, look, you guys, my children, my wife, my husband, you guys are my priority right now. And you have complete um, access to my time and whatever um, you want to do, we're going to do together. And that, I, I believe that's really meaningful um, for young children specifically, especially if I think back in my own life as well of how meaningful those times were. So another simple thing we can do is celebrate family members over achievements that they might accomplish. It could be something as simple as a birthday party. It could be something like a graduation. Maybe they've accomplished something in athletics or music or arts or just any kind of personal accomplishment. By, by celebrating those things, it lets each person in the family know that they are loved and that they have value, that they're important to the overall family dynamic. So, so two things we covered so far are developing an atmosphere of fun in your family, cultivating traditions and celebrations, which can even include uh, the Lord's Day. And then the third one here is nurturing secure children. I think this is a powerful statement. It's the world we live in has developed so much insecurity, it can almost be described as neurotic. And I find that to be the case in pastoral work anyways, and I have lots of conversation with people that I would say are hanging on by a thread. And a lot of that can be rooted and found in the cause. Number one, we understand we're sinners. We have a sin nature that we are constantly, you know, warring against. But also how they, how you were brought up as a child can really play into how secure you are and mature you are as an adult. So the question I got to ask myself is, as a parent, how can I offer security to my children that are constantly going to have to be combating these different influences? I mentioned in the last lesson a text in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 where Paul describes his love for the church in Thessalonica as a mother's love for a small child and how he wants to nurture and care for them, let them know that they have value and bring them along. And I think one of the greatest things we can do to provide security for our children is to sh- simply show them love and affection, to, to um, not only feel it, but to show it. And I will say this, that a parent who delights in their children will desire to share life with them and this does come at a bit of a personal cost. You know, oftentimes as parents, we just want to go hide out somewhere and, you know, take a breather and decompress. And, and I suppose that's good. But realizing that the greater good is to share our life with our children, even if that comes at a cost of time, if it comes at the cost of resources, if it comes at the cost of money, that God has gifted us with these children, we ought to share our lives with them. And then a few things that we can help, that that helps kids with, is it will help kids who face rejection and hurt from a hostile culture. Look, as your kids grow and mature and are exposed more and more to the world around them, they're going to find that, generally speaking, the world is a hostile place. And they're going to have to learn to cope and deal with rejection and hurt. Those are all part of life. But wouldn't it be a powerful thing if they can find a soft landing place at home? The feeling of rejection and inferiority to others. They're going to, they're going to go places. They're going to try to achieve things, and they're going to fail. They're going to falter. There's going to be people that are better than them. There's going to be people that have more credentials. There's going to be, you know, they're going to have boyfriends or girlfriends or all those things, and they're going to experience rejection. Again, the home should be a place where they can find a soft place to land when these things of the world that are just going to happen, we can't keep them from happening. We can't try to over-insulate our kids so they don't experience any of these things, but we ought to be able to cultivate a place where they can come back to and find a place of rest. Another thing the world's going to throw at that their way is telling them that they are worthless, and the struggle and feeling of worthlessness is going to be something that they can overcome 
by realizing that they have moms and dads who love them unconditionally because they are created in the image of God, that they were gifted to them by God, and that their love is not contingent on their performance, it's not contingent on the way they look, on the way they act, it's, it's only contingent on the fact that you are my child, and that communicates to them that God's love is the same way. So we can provide a great deal of security as parents by creating a soft landing place and a place of rest when our children are inundated with the world like they're going to be. It's, it's going to happen. Expect that it's going to happen. So as parents, we'd be wise to plan for it. Another way to um, help build security and nurture our kids, I imagine, would be to address their unique needs and personalities. Not all your kids are going to be the same. Some of your kids are going to have hobbies and interests that you have interests in, and it'll be easy for you to get involved. Some of your kids will have hobbies and interests that you have absolutely no interest in. <laughs> but that's not... Um, that's not the way we should approach it. We ought to approach it by pouring ourselves and pouring our lives into our kids because of the way that God created them and who he created them to be. Another, um, I guess, warning that I would throw out there when it comes to developing security is that parents would do well, myself, speaking of myself here, to discipline ourselves to provide our children our complete attention. And I don't mean that we just have our eyes pinned on our kids all the time, seeing wherever they go, knowing exactly where they are, but that we are aware we're aware of what's going on in their life. We're aware of what's going on in them. We're aware of what's going on spiritually. We're aware of what's going on emotionally, physically. We're aware of the influences around them. We're aware of the friends that they have, that they have our complete attention. In fact, Proverbs 18.24, I think, gives us a little bit of insight here. And I think a lot of us will recognize the second half of the verse is saying that there's a friend that's, that's closer than a brother. But it begins with a warning that says a multitude of friends leads to ruin or it can lead to harm. You know, the multitude of tasks and the multitude of friends is the enemy of meaningful family relationships. And in our digital age culture and in our culture of, um, you know, these social engineering platforms that are connecting us with the terms that they use as friends, the reality is most of, most of the people that we're connected with are acquaintances. Very few of them have deep friendships. And we, we invest too much time and energy. I'm speaking to myself. We, we, we invest way too much time and energy on what acquaintances have posted in some digital forum or on their Facebook page or their Instagram or their whatever. And we, we waste too much time talking about it, thinking about it, when in, in reality it has absolutely no relevance on our life. And you find that in the multitude of friends can really lead to ruin and it can lead to harm. And, it, and it's detrimental because it takes us away from really investing our time and energy in those that are closest to us, specifically our family. So keep that in mind that, you know, Give, give those that are closest to you your complete attention. Be aware of things that, are, that could be mentally and physically harmful to your children. Guard them against the influences of the world. You know, as a parent, if you're, if you're giving your attention to your child, it gives you the opportunity to warn children against some impending danger that they might not see that's coming their way. But it really acquires, acquires our attention and awareness. And the final thing I would say, um, kind of wrap this up, is love your children equally. And what's really important to remember this is equality is not based on portion. There's going to be times where there's, one of your kids is going to require more attention. They're going to require more effort. They're going to require more resources. Equality is not based on portion. Equality is based on, as parents, we accept our children for who God created them to be. And you might have one child who is much more willing to be obedient and to do what you say and more compliant, and you might have another child that's very difficult, maybe stubborn, bullheaded, and requires more work and more effort. 
But ultimately, the goal is I want to accept my children for who God created them to be and guide and direct them so that they can become exactly who God created them to be. Realize that each child has a unique gift because God created them as a unique person. And it's our responsibility to identify and nurture these gifts for the glory of God. And ultimately, our hope is to see our children come to know Christ as their personal Savior, to have the Holy Spirit of God living in them, and we can work together as a family unit to see God do great things. So as parents, don't ever think you've learned it all. Don't ever think you've got it all together. You know, being aware of the challenges that confront our children will help us equip them to face these challenges. And part of equipping them is creating a a home that is secure and a home where there can be lasting, meaningful memories. So approach parenting with a constant desire to learn whatever is needed for the benefit of our children. And I know that they'll be blessed by it, that we'll live hopeful and blessed lives, and that most of all, God will be honored by it. Thank you for listening to this lesson of the, um, the, the family life of a Christian. Appreciate you tuning into the Calvary Couples podcast. If I can ever be a help to you, I hope that you'll reach out. You can find me at J-C-E-H-U-L-I-K at calvaryashland.com or reach out to me um, through the messaging on the podcast. I would love to hear from you and just hear how this has been a help. Please feel free to share this with anybody you think might, um, might be encouraged by it. And I look forward to um, you know, being with you all next time as we continue our journey together. Hope you have a great day.